successful influencers have turned YouTube stars into personal million-dollar brands. Why? Because marketers seek to leverage the perceived sway of influencers to drive behavioral adoption, which is, after all, the core function of marketing. But it begs the question, who are the most influential influencers? Hello, my name is Dr. Marcus Collins. I'm a professor at the University of Michigan and head of strategy at Wyden Kennedy, New York, and you are watching Folks Alert. Welcome to the Folks Alert Show. My name is Kiko. My guest today is doctor, professor, all-around cool guy. Uh, Marcus, how are you, sir? I'm doing quite well. Thanks so much for having me. Well, listen, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Um, I've been stealing a lot of jewels off your Instagram page. A lot. <laughs> okay, so I, I guess I owe you uh, maybe a publishing check or something. Something, royalty, something. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it on the back end. Catch me on the flip side, right? <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> how, 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 are you, how are you doing, man? I'm doing really well. I'm, I'm uh, feeling great. My book is coming out in less than two weeks for the culture, the power behind what we buy, what we do, and who we want to be. So uh, I couldn't be more excited and grateful for, for the platform, for the opportunity to chop it up with you. Oh, Listen. Take me back, dude, because everything about you is culture, right? Your you, you whole, as far back as I can go back on your Instagram page. At what point did you realize that, wait a minute, culture drives society. It's the, it's the, I guess the, the WT4, W40 oil of the world <laughs> is culture. At what point? You know, I wish I could say it happened much earlier than it did, but it didn't. And I, but I will say from an early age, I've always been a part of cultural production, mm -hmm. uh, particularly when it comes to music. I sang in choirs, I played piano, uh, born and raised in Detroit. So, you know, uh, music is a big part of, of the city. So is religion, uh, a big part of the city. So I was invested in those things. And those things are cultural works, music. Um, and in the religious uh, subscription, but it wasn't until later um, that that I found myself in this world of, of 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 studying culture and understanding its influence on on behavior. I was I studied math and science to to begin with um, as a as a as a Detroiter, and did well in math and science, and therefore I studied engineering undergrad because that's what you do, mm. right? If you're a if you're 
if you do well in math and science and you're black in the 90s you were an engineer right. so 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 that that sort of seemed like a detour from the place where i started um but it took me a while to get there honestly tell me this culture right is always associated with yeah. one's ethnic background mm-hmm. i i don't necessarily but as i was preparing for this interview I started thinking of all the things you were saying, culture, culture, culture. And yes, it's always associated with someone's ethnic background, what part of the world they come from. People may associate that, what they do as culture. But from my observation, I would say culture is more of what people do, behavior. And, you know, me and you may not even spoke to each other, don't even know each other, but we... We have the same behavior, but because of our background or ethnicity, one would say, oh, that's a culture, but it's really not. It's just, it's a lot of behavior that's similar. Would you agree? Yeah. Well, I think yes. And no culture. (laughs) No, 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 no. Yes. I think it's yes. With some additional to it, you know, Uh the, the, the social, the sociology scholar, Emil Durkheim refers to culture as this system. The system of beliefs, norms, and symbols that demarcate who we are and where the expectations and conventions of people like us, mm. right? So you're right. What we do, this is a way by which we make our our, our our culture manifest. This is the way we exercise our culture. How we talk is a representation of our culture. What we wear, these are uh, demonstrative acts of, of our culture. Right. So culture not only consists of our ethnicity, but also our passion points, our, our nationality. You know, here in this country, if someone says hi to you, you say hi back. However, if you're in New York, sometimes you don't. Right. <laughs> you know? right. uh, but it's also our, our religion as well as our passion points. Right? If you're a sneakerhead, there are certain sets of beliefs, artifacts, behaviors and language that's expected of being a sneakerhead. Right. So it's really culture is sort of the governing operating system of community. It is the unwritten rules and sometimes the written rules, but it's, it's the, it's the operating system that dictates what's acceptable for people like us. So we may not even know each other, but if you are wearing a Phi Beta Sigma hat and I'm in Phi Beta Sigma, I go, Oh, what's up frat. And we already feel connected and we already know what to do. Because they're expectations of people like us. But that gets twerks a little that gets twerk a little bit, right? Because you know, you may meet someone that's might be your frat brother, but he may come with different point of view that may twerk your point of view. That's right. And so, I think that that's, that's that's the right push that you know, we may have a foundational belief that we mm-hmm. subscribe to but the way by which we see the world may be a bit different, right? For instance, um, we can agree that the earth is round and not flat. However, our view on the, on, on, on the, the galaxy may differ here and there, but found fundamentally, foundationally, we agree on this thing. And you know, those early scholars, uh, Durkheim, Marx and Weber, they study religion as a way to study culture, 
right? They observe religion as a way to study culture. So religion becomes a really good way to think about how culture is both, uh, it brings people together and sort of separates people. For instance, we could say we're all Christian, but you may be a Protestant mm-hmm. and you might be a Catholic and you might be a Baptist. Now we all believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, right? He was uh, buried, resurrected, sure. Mm-hmm. But the manner in which we worship differs Different. based on our cultural subscription, right? So it, it it demarcates who we are collectively, but then our tribal associations. In this in this case, it would be our denominations come with a set of of, of more specific beliefs. So we might be in the same fraternity, maybe we might all be sigmas, but the sigmas at the University of Michigan we behave this way. And the sigmas at the University of Florida behave another way. True. And because we are a part of one collective, we feel connected. But then also I feel even more connected with people who are even more like me, like people in my chapter, for instance. Got you. Uh, before I get off of this, what do you credit your public speaking and the way you articulate and convey your message to the, to the masses? I, I'm getting a little bit of you know, those church days. Did you, did you speak in yeah. church? Come on, man. Come uh, so on. I, I don't, <laughs> I, 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 I spoke in church during like uh, the Christmas program, the Easter program, uh-huh. but you are 1000% correct. Dang My, when I think about the way that I deliver, it is like one part Steve Jobs because I used to work at Apple and we were all sort of kind of, I would say taught to teach, to present that way, but we certainly aspired to, to present that way. Um, but the, but the, the, I guess the example that had the most impact on me was my pastor for sure. I mean, the storyteller, he was always convicted, uh, but it was always compassionate and he was always teaching. Uh, and, and I feel like that's always been, that has been so helpful for me to learn about the world. So as someone who is a teacher, an educator at, at the university, uh, but also I try to educate through the content I create and the things I talk about on stages. You know, I, I find myself channeling a lot of my, my, my pastor for sure. A lot of that, uh, w- when we think of culture, we think of biblical belief. That goes into marketing. I want to play this clip mm-hmm. and I want to I come back and talk to you about it. We started with defining what exactly is marketing. But marketing is going to market. And why do we go to market? to get people to adopt behavior, to get people to move. Well, how do we get people to move? That led us to the second point, the relationship between stories and marketing. Stories are a powerful vehicle that excite people to take action, especially stories that are focused on people, human stories. So as marketers, we should start with the soul and end with the sale. Focus on who we are as a company, how we see the world, and we communicate our stories to people who see the world the way we do which led us to the third. To whom do we tell stories? We tell stories to the proper target, the target that is attracted to us, but also compatible with us. That is, they see the world the way we do. There is congruence between who we are as a company, what we believe, our soul, and theirs. When we do this well, we really, really do this well, we increase the likelihood that people will take action. I hope what you've heard will be helpful for you. And I really hope that it helps take your business to the next level. But if you need one takeaway, one too long didn't read, here it is. Everything you do should focus on people. 
everything, every decision you make is about connecting with people. If you put people first, your business will always win because business is all. You believe that? 1,000%. 1,000%. Everything I know from the literature, everything I've experienced in my career has told me that. That business, by and large, is all about people. If you don't understand people, then you don't understand business. You definitely don't understand marketing if you don't understand business. And what do we know, uh, if you don't understand people, what do we know about people is that people just wants to be connected, man. Like we, the uh, anthropologists would argue that the reason why we we're able to evolve was our ability to cooperate, to come together. Like we just want to connect so badly. And stories help us do that. And stories help us disseminate information um, such that people know what's expected of people like ourselves. I mean, this is how we get folklore. This is how we get uh, urban legends. I mean, we go back to religion. Religion is socialized by the stories that we, we tell. Right? You learn about your religion, whatever your religion may be, through stories. And stories are just unbelievably powerful. We yada, yada, yada the facts, but the stories we remember. And if we could tell good stories, then the chances of our ideas spreading from person to person is far greater than, than just focusing on uh, the value propositions and the, the, the statistical data. Speaking of the data, do you think religion is the, is the very first form of marketing? Ooh, that's <laughs> a good one. Listen, hey, listen. Is religion doc, the first? Here, I'm here for it, Doc. Okay, I'm really I see, here you're for doing it. it. You're doing it. <laughs> is religion the first form of marketing? Interestingly, maybe. Let me do this through a little bit. So let's start. Like, what is marketing? Like, marketing is going to market, right? right? And we go to market to get people to adopt behavior. And who brought the, well, who created the market? God. And then, <laughs> and then he he wanted people to behave a certain way, and therefore he was influencing behavior. He gave you free will mm-hmm. to influence behavior. So you might be onto something. I don't know. I, I gotta interrogate that one. That's a that's a hot take. Doc, that's I'm, a I'm good here one. for it. Now, here's my follow up question to that. Yeah. How do we find the truth in marketing then? Oh, now this is where I think things start to get interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the truth is not objective; it's subjective. That is, your cases. truth is different than my truth, right? So think of it this way. Right, so like a statistical occurrence may happen, right? And we can look at it and say, what did it mean? When we're talking about truth, we're we're really talking about meaning, right? Like a fact and truth are different. So for instance, uh, the the fact is that it rained today, arbitrarily speaking. The truth is that for me, it rained cats and dogs. And for you, it was like, ah, oh, this wasn't a heavy rain. It, was, it wasn't a heavy, it wasn't a heavy rain. But which one is true? Both of them are because we experience them differently. I think that's the important thing about life is that the world around us isn't objective. It's subjective. Things aren't the way they are. They are the way that we are. So we can observe a thing happen like, say, for instance, uh, the insurrection in, uh, back in Gen- uh, January. Oh, was that January 2021? 20, 21? Is that right? Yeah, back in January 2021, and we can look at that, and some say that was a straight-up insurrection, and someone else can make say like those are just people exercising their 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 right to protest. Which one is it? They're both right. But 
because but, they're both those people's truths. But the truth is based in fact. Okay, we can't get to the truth without facts. Agreed. Agreed. Right? So we can we can dispute, you know, the fact, but when it the the latter part of that is the is the truth. You know, we could say, okay, well, I don't agree with that. But when we get to the facts, right? The facts are the facts. It did rain. Okay. You yeah, can say it I rained cats that. and dogs, which for you, cats and dogs would mean it rained heavy, right? Yeah. But the fact is it did rain. So we That's can't true. dispute that. So now when we come to the truth and the facts in marketing, how do we find the truth? Because we're trying to connect mm. people, right? And That's right. So when it comes to marketing, the truth and the facts to market, I, I guess what I'm doing is I'm separating fact from truth, that there are facts and then there are truths. And I, and I think of truths as in the things that, that we, the way we interpret facts and those things are, are in the minds of the interpreter. So as a marketer, when I'm putting ideas in the world, when I'm communicating on behalf of my brands, I'm hoping that when I say a thing that people see it the way I did. But in some cases, it's not what I say, it's what they hear. They may have heard something completely different. And as a result, my communication is incurrent and is incongruent. And even though I go factually, I said this thing and they go, well, that's not what we heard. Mm -hmm. Right? So their truth is valid. Their truth is their reality. Well, my truth is mine. So the facts are undeniable but the truths are interpreted so in marketing the way that we separate fact from truth is that we look at empirically what occurred what is is the razor sharper is the battery last longer maybe right but which one makes you feel uh cooler which one makes you feel more confident well those things depend on how people make meaning of it and our job as marketers, as we put things in the world to get people to adopt behavior, our job is to ensure we understand how people see the world so that when we put things in the world, they are congruent. But that comes to people's emotion. That's Striking right. an emotional chord. And That's my right. question and my next question is how much of that is science? Because uh, hold on, hold on. I, yeah, I but you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got you. I want to play yeah. this clip. I want to play this clip, which involve influencers, right? Okay. And it, you kind of, you kind of touched on that a little bit. So I want to play that clip, and I want to talk to you about that. How much is science on playing on people's emotional cord when it comes to marketing? Because it leads in, it leads into marketing. So let sure me play thing. this clip. We'll come back. We'll talk. Okay. For the last decade, influencer marketing have been all the rage among contemporary marketers. There have been books written, conferences hosted, all in service of cracking the influencer code. The demand for today's most successful influencers have turned YouTube stars into personal million-dollar brands. Why? Because marketers seek to leverage the perceived sway of influencers to drive behavioral adoption, which is, after all, the core function of marketing. But it begs the question, who are the most influential influencers? Now, when we think about influencers, we tend to think about celebrities, Instagram personalities, talking heads, and the like. But what if I told you that the most influential influencers are you and your people? That is to say, 
the people with the greatest capacity to affect our behavior and our character are our friends, our families, our teammates, fraternity brothers, sorority sisters, congregates, co-workers, our people, not celebrities and YouTube stars. We'll use this session to understand why that's so and how digital technologies facilitate this phenomenon. So, let's get started. Science, right? A lot of that's it is right. based on science. How to how that, to pull at someone's emotional cord. That's right. 1000%. I mean, this is I mean, we talk about marketing being a bit of art and a bit of science. And and I argue that it's way more science than we give it credit for. Mm -hmm. We're able to pull at people's emotional heartstrings, as it were, because of our understanding of human behavior, that we understand the underlying physics of human behavior. So we're able to harness its power to get people to adopt behavior. Um, and the, the powerful part about this is that we are all wired similarly, right? right? Each and every one of us, right? Cognitively, we're, we're wired very similarly. We, we process uh, biologically in a similar way. And if we understand how people are wired and how, they, and, and, how, and how they cognate, then it increases our likelihood of being able to pull at people's emotional heartstrings. You got this book coming out, Doc. Uh, what did you, the process of creating this book but before we even get to the book i want to i want to play a little clip of you at home getting this book and uh <laughs> you know I, I guess for you it, you know it's a, a body of work y you've been working on it for a minute it, and it's finally you're seeing it come to fruition it's it's in paperback you can actually hold it it's it was an idea in your head you put it to paper and you finally got the, the, the actual physical copy in your hand i want to play this clip and i want to come back and i want to talk to you about it alex they're here georgia go get us uh, some scissors This is happening right now, for real. This is happening. All right, get these scissors. Okay, here we go. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. How, how long have you been waiting for this? Oh, man. It's, you know, it's been, I would say, roughly three years from when I finished the proposal to when we pitched the proposal, signed the book deal, and then got to writing. Um, so it's been, it's been a, it's been a long time coming. Um, and like, and it feels surreal that it's happening. I, I just can't even put into words that something that was uh, an idea that I had been sitting on, wrestling with, interrogating, pulling apart, putting back together, researching rigorously. Um, a part, that was part of my, my doctoral dissertation as well to to put it in a form that can be consumed at, at a mass level, it's, it's, it's really humbling because what it does is it provides an opportunity for me to scale my impact. Mm -hmm. And what I'm here to do ultimately at the end of the day, man, is to help people be the best versions of themselves. 
to take the things that I've learned and I've learned from other people uh, so they can help make better decisions, particularly for people, entrepreneurs who are trying to get people to move. Like the book is really to help people get people to move. You, you put a clip on Instagram where you said the book was a combination of touching on all the things that had an impact on you growing up. You mentioned Martin, which all of us has been a fan of Martin. Spike Lee, mm-hmm. all of us in the 80s grow up watching Spike Lee movie. Those uh, clips of actors rolling on the dolly are just, you know, he invented that. You know, it's amazing. when we saw Do the Right Thing, it was like, wow, this is me. This is what happening in my neighborhood, right? We can all relate right. to that. Uh, why did you choose... Why did you pick those two, uh, those two things out of the culture to, to actually, to strike an emotional chord? Here you are, Doc. You pulling at people's emotional strings. <laughs> yeah. So, so the book is called "For the Culture: uh, The Power Behind What We Buy, What We Do, and Who We Want to Be," and it argues that there's no force more influential to human behavior than culture. And the better we understand that, the more likely we are to to harness its sway. And when I gave uh, the brief to the publisher about what I wanted the cover to be, I told them, like, I want the cover to represent all the cultural product that I took in when I was coming of age. So mm-hmm. I came of age in, in the, the 90s, you know, grew up through the 80s, but, but really, like, you know, hit my stride as a, a budding teenager in the 90s. Um, and the cultural product I took in those days was Martin, Deaf Comedy Jam, uh, uh Spike Lee movies, hip hop, uh, the HBCU aesthetic, like those things just felt so much like me. If I look back at old pictures of myself, like all those things would be representative of that person. And what I realize as someone who's far older than that now, I look back and say, I'm still informed by that cultural product. Right. Like my, my idea on like what is cool is informed by hip hop. My take on race relations, uh, the foundation of that was based on Spike Lee movies, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I am a product of those things. I mean, even now, if I'm impersonating, you know, uh, if I'm impersonating uh, a girl with sass, I go, uh-uh, girl, and that's Shanene. You know what I'm saying? Mark, like, that's, from that's from Martin. Martin. Yes, correct. That's right. Like, so all these things that are a part of my cultural uh, expression they all come from the cultural product that we've taken in over, over our lifetime. And I wanted the book to signal that sort of writ large, but also to people who grew up on the same cultural product as me. Again, I think I said in the clip that for the culture is for the culture. Um, and the idea is that uh, we are all a part of some culture. Mm-hmm. And that culture comes with a set of cultural products that not only reflect who we are, but inform uh how we show up in the world. Dig that. Marcus Collins book comes out on May 2nd. I yes, suggest sir. everybody go cop a copy, man. Um, it was a pleasure having, listen, I wish we had more time. I, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I, but listen, I got, I got more questions, but you know, I understand you have other things you have to do, but it was really a great conversation. I get a lot of jewels off your Instagram. Uh, that's where I found you. And that's where, you know, I was just very fascinated with what you were doing. And I was like, I got to talk to this guy, you know. Uh, thank you, my brother. Well, listen, let's do part two. 
we definitely let's do part two. That. We definitely that's, that's another that. thing. I'm going to spend some more time thinking about that. Is religion the first <laughs> marketing? You can you stump me on that one, man. That's a that's a good one. That's a real good one, man. I, I you, I, I, when we talk, like we got to talk. So we, no, I want to we'll, dig we'll into chat. this more. We'll, we'll, we'll chat. We'll chat. We'll chat. We'll chat. Listen, it was a pleasure having you. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Uh, all the best on the book. We will talk and um, enjoy enjoy the rest of your day, sir. Appreciate you, fam. Take care. All right. Take care.